Hey, y'all, I got a question for you. What's a piece of gear that you maybe have unintentionally overlooked in your rig throughout the years? Well, for me, it's always been guitar cables. I figured ah, it just goes from the guitar to the amplifier or the guitar to the pedal board to the amp. And if one breaks, whatever, I'll just go buy another one. No big deal. Thanks to the fine folks at Runway Audio, though, I have finally seen the light. Runway Audio is based in Nashville, Tennessee, which is awesome for me because that's right down the road. But it's awesome for you as well because Runway has the best cable on the market. And what makes it the best, you ask? Well, it has the lowest capacitance of any cable on the market right now at 20 picofarads per foot. And pretty much all that capacitance is is the ability to store an electrical charge. The lower the capacitance is, the less tone that it sucks from your cable from your guitar on the way to your amplifier. So if you're in the market for anything cable related, whether it's instrument cables, patch cables, XLR cables, speaker cables, power cables, you name it, Runway Audio has got you covered. And if you go down to my link tree, click the link for Runway Audio, any purchasing you will do, I will get a little bit of a kickback from that, which is always appreciated. So check out all the awesome stuff that Runway Audio is doing and pick something up to get the best tone possible. This episode today is brought to you by Stringjoy Guitar Strings, the finest strings on the market. For me, it has been the Orbiters that have been my absolute go-to ever since they've come out, and that's their coated electric strings. But if the coated thing's not your thing, totally get it. The signatures in the Broadways in their electric line, top-notch quality. For acoustic guitars, they have their Naturals and their Brights, along with the Foxwoods, which are their coated Phosphor Bonds. For all you bassists out there too, they have the signatures and the rangers. Full disclosure, the link down below is my affiliate link. So if you would like to check out Stringjoy, click that link down below. Not only will you be getting the finest guitar strings on the market, but you'll also be helping out this podcast, which I greatly appreciate. So head on over to Stringjoy today. I'm not even close to the tip of the iceberg of all the awesome things that Stringjoy does. So click the link down below and check them out for yourself. Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. Mike is back once again to join me for awesome co-hosting duties, and I definitely appreciate that. So we were just talking, and I wanted to hit record before we continue this conversation. So let's kind of backtrack just a little bit. What were we talking about? So I was talking about how Steve Ray Vaughn has a song called Life by the Drop. Yep. And uh, there was someone talking about it. I can't remember off the top of my head of who it was. It's probably some youtube short or something like that sure sure but anyways uh the song was actually written by a friend of his okay and it was kind of like they were both coming up at the same time and they both wanted to go on the road well stevie decided that you know he could go on the road and he had the means to just go ahead and go, go for it and his friend at the time i think he was either working or he just had a kid or something like that but obviously he wasn't able to go and it wasn't until years later that Stevie was back in his hometown and he was talking to, you know, his childhood friend. His childhood friend hit him up and was like, you know, 
I have the song, you know, that I wrote and Stevie checked it out, liked it and decided to record that on that 12 string. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just kind of interesting how, especially with older artists, you don't really assume, well, depending on genre, I would say, but you don't, you, you pretty much assume that they wrote most of their sure sure like you know i understand like the typical blues runs like oh you know this is red house for the millionth time or this is voodoo child or little wing or when cries mary or you know you know if you go down deep far enough you'll actually find who wrote it who actually wrote the song yeah yeah but it's been copied by a million other people well as far as like life by the drop it was Steve Ray Vaughan's fan or friend and him. Yeah. So that's really the only two people that ever really got to interact with that song. And, you know, like I know Willie Nelson has written a million country songs and bluegrass songs and stuff along those lines. And, you know, you, you'll still see his name pop up every once in a while on songwriting credits yeah. or something like that. Well, it's crazy too, because I, I actually, it's funny, because I, that's why I wanted to push record when we were having this conversation, because um, I ran into a friend of mine at work that we were talking about, um, you know, stuff like that. And I think that's more, it, it's, it's, I don't think it's more or less prevalent. It's just people don't realize how many songwriters are out there that are, are writing songs for like major right. artists and stuff like that now. It's not like a, a Steve Ray Vaughan and his friends sort of situation. It's just like there's a specified job for somebody that just writes songs and pushes it out to publishers. The thing is that I wanted to talk about, and it's, it blew me away because I, I was just like, how does nobody know this? Um, when Dolly Parton wrote, um, fuck, here, I knew I was going to fucking forget it. Um, I will always love you. Yeah. You know, friend at work had no clue. So no, 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 that's Tina Turner. No, no, dude. Dolly Parton wrote that song. Shoot, Dolly Parton wrote it. Tenny or Tina Turner sang it, and then Whitney Houston made it famous. I'm a hundred percent. I was a hundred percent wrong on that. Whitney Houston is who I was referring to. I completely said the wrong thing. <laughs> Whoopsie poopsie. Well, yeah, it happens. <laughs> hey, fuck it. We're doing it live, right? Anyway, but well, yeah, it's like uh, Johnny Cash uh, singing "Hurt." Yeah, uh, which is what was it? Was it Nine Inch Nails? Yep. And they heard Johnny Cash's version, and I think it was Corey Taylor, mm-hmm. which I might be wrong. Maybe. But yeah, uh, it's okay. We're who, doing a lot. Wh- whoever originally wrote it, he was like, "That's his song now." Yeah, yeah. It, it's like that's the thing I was kind of trying to think about. Like, like when I write music, I I happens all the time where I don't write songs that are for me. I feel like I write songs that I feel like I know someone else could sing better. And I'm usually trying to write it around that. Well, I think that whenever you're writing anyways, you know, it's, you have your influences and then you also have, you know, your formula that you're most comfortable writing. And yeah. Yeah. You know, like, uh, mine is, I like writing grooves for verses mm-hmm. and occasionally a course. Everything else is kind of like, well, it, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, whatever. And, you know, I always say, you know, I write, I try to write with a pulse. Yeah. Yeah. And regardless of whether if it was for me or for someone else, it's still going to show my 
influences on what I decide that is most important to what I want to get across. I mean, that's why I always feel like I could never write for someone else because at the end of the day, I'm not them. And so I don't really want to shove what I would want onto what someone else wants to do. Well, so that's the thing that I was kind of, I was kind of thinking about when you brought up, you know, the whole, artists taking songs thing and, and, you know, making it their own or, or however you want to think about that. And, and I think that's a really hard thing to do. And honestly, I think that's why a lot of the quote unquote bro country stuff nowadays is so sterile because you have a bunch of people that are just like, Hey, we didn't have a formula that works. Well, I mean, I think that there's certain genres that pop up due to popularity. Yeah, yeah. And then there's certain genres that there are always there there will always be that genre, but mm-hmm. there's going to be subgenres underneath it. Like cuz if if you try to say one in one broad stroke, well, this is just jazz. Sure. You you or this is just classical or this is just rock or this is just metal or whatever, you're going to find subgenres of subgenres of subgenres. And you know, you know, people thought like Oh well, when new metal came out, that was going to be the end of metal. It's like it's it's such a ridiculous. That's like saying that just because they came out with a Les Paul last year, they're not going to come out with one this year. Right, right. And it, <laughs> uh, I was even listening to a guy that was trying to write uh, Limb Biscuit riffs. Mm-hmm. You know, because I enjoy the work of Wes Borland. Yeah, I think that he's a phenomenal guitar player, and I might not be crazy about Limp Biscuit, but hey, it is what it is. It was it was successful. Yeah, so it obviously did enough for us growing up in the early two thousands, listening to Rolling and This Way, and you know, <laughs> I don't know anyone that ha- hasn't listened to at least some System of a Down and you know I- any Lithium and like all those bands that were all during that time, like. Everyone was into the skater craze. It is what it is. Yeah. It was... Everyone had vans and DCs and, you know, no one knew how to skate, but we all wore the same stuff <laughs> or jump pants. Oh my God. Mm. <laughs> See, that's the problem I ran into, man, because I was so down. Like I, I was in the skate culture more than the music culture. And then it's like, right. I had to like restart once I realized that playing guitar is, at least for me at the time was a lot more cool than skateboarding. You know what I mean? Cause all the music that I was listening to while I was skateboarding, I was seeing like the music videos for all this stuff. And I was like, Oh dude, that looks like way more fun. And I, yeah. and I kind of fucked myself up a few times and I didn't want to do that anymore. So, well, I was about as, you know, athletic as then as I am now. <laughs> so <laughs> the only thing I could do on a skateboard was ride in one direction. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's I've said it before, man. Whenever I get like into something, it's like my hyper focus, and that's all I was doing. Yeah. So, and it's good, but it's also bad because then you know it neglects the other things that probably need to be important. But that's one of the things I told myself as a guitar player, and I'm I'm wrapping this all up in a nice little bow because I swear I'm coming back around to how we started this, even from the skateboarding. Whenever I was started playing guitar in high school and middle school and stuff like that. I could even see then that it was almost like competition-y still for some reason. Like you had like the... Yeah. Yeah. To, to a certain degree. 
But here's the thing that I realized really early on, and I don't know if I intentionally did this or it was just like a subconscious thing. I realized that most people don't care how technically good you are at something. They want something to dance to, to groove to, and they, a melody they can hum. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, and I, when I got to high school, I was immediately thrown into three very solid guitar players that are very solid guitar players right. now. And, you know, I, I think that that kind of humbled me really quick because, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like the, you're the biggest one in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. Until you're not. Right. Right. <laughs> look at me. Don't oh, look at me. Never mind. <laughs> but, you know, and, but, but I needed that at that time. Yeah. Because I always say, like, you know, if you surround yourself with better musicians than you are, then you'll, it'll make you a better musician because it gives you more drive in what you're doing, at least for me. I think that's a common trend with most though, because, you know, whether regardless of what they're doing, whether it's, they're doing the very technical, you know, shreddy Instagram licks, or they're just songwriting, you're, you're still wanting to hang out with people that are better at that craft, whatever that sub craft of the instrument is. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you know, and I think at least back then, I don't know about you, but I had like five channels. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was no, you know, the, the most, the coolest thing I ever got was an iPod. Yeah. And I had, you know, probably 4,000 songs at the time. Yeah. I thought I was big rolling. You oh know, yeah. At the time you were, you know, having all the viruses on my computer from oh, LimeWire yeah. <laughs> and being horrified about all the crap that was on there. It's like, look, I just got the new system of down album. Never mind. That is not a system of a down album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think that's one of those things when, like when, especially when you're younger, you, you either do one of two things. And I think what you and I did was kind of follow that same sort of trajectory of being, cause I was fortunate too, to be surrounded by people that were better than me, but more on the, like I said, more on the songwriting side of things. And I think that's why I still gravitate towards writing. And I think that's why it's easier for me, it's harder for me to write a riff than it is for me to write a song. Yeah, and I'm the opposite. Because well, it's easier see, for me to write a riff than it is for me to write a song. And for me, it's easier for me to go out and perform something that I may not be 100% on than to go and practice into Infinium. Because eventually it's like, you know, we got to shit or get off the pot yeah you know yeah, yeah. i think that's that's one thing that i, I kind of miss about that time because everything was going so fast and you know we'd go and do a gig and it'd be terrible of course but it's like you know you need you need the it just like i guess going back to skateboarding a little bit you need those bumps and bruises to, absolutely to find out what you're actually capable of well and it, and it does it does two things for you most people that i've seen that do the live gigging or even 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 if you just take it down to the barest level of you sitting down in your room and practicing or trying to write a song, the first time you sit down and try to write a song, it's probably going to suck. Like yeah, if yeah, it's more just, than likely, if it's just you by yourself, unless you have like just the most innate ability just to come up with magic out of nowhere, which does happen from time to time. Sometimes you do get that lightning in the bottle, Yeah. 
but I'll tell you of all the songs I've written, I'm pretty happy with maybe 10, maybe, you you know what I mean? And and that's, that's over freaking two decades. You know what I mean? Oh, (laughs) throwing it down there. No. Um, you know, I thought whenever I was trying to first kind of figure out a song here and there, you know, I thought A minor G and F were the most amazing chords that I could ever figure out. They are pretty good. I don't know if they're most amazing. Then, then, then you know, someone was like, well, this is how you play a D major. And I was like, oh, snap. And then I learned C and it's like, you know. Oh, now you and, got the church chords. Yeah, I got. I had all the church <laughs> chords ready to go. The only thing I was missing was a little bit of E minor and I was good to oh, go. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, it. everyone kind of figures out their own way. And this is maybe something to do with, uh, you know, just knowing it's close to the holidays and knowing how many people have gotten a guitar for someone and, you know, they want to go do lessons. And it's like, I always felt like lessons when you first get this instrument, they can point you in the right way. But I think that it also kind of does a disservice to you because as fascinating as it is to get lessons, if you're not even willing to put in the minimal sweat equity it takes to learn your basic, you don't have to learn them all, but just some basic open chords and learn how to bar and learn how to do this. And it's like, you know, having lessons to refine that and to kind of push you into new avenues, I think is more worth the money than to just I've never played guitar. I've never picked one up. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just bought this today. Show me how to do this. Yeah. And see, the problem is, especially, you don't see this so much with younger or older students. You see this with the younger kids. You get, you know, the guys and girls that are, you know, in that 8 to 13 range, right? Yeah. Two things. They don't have enough life experience, in the, and especially the younger people, they're, they're still getting those fine-tuned motor skills in their fingers, right? So those are the mental and physical barriers right there, right off the bat. They're still refining those fine motor skills and they don't have a whole lot of life experience. So they might not have, you know, they, they could have not a lot of discipline at, the, at their house. So maybe this is just another thing. They're just going to treat like a toy, which is fine. But then what ends up happening is, you know, the way I have always tried to approach teaching people is I want to find out what you value and what you want to learn. Yeah. If I can find that out, then we can go from there. How do you ask that to a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old? That really the most music they've probably listened to is their mom and dad's top 40, whatever. And or just random, you know, Fortnite videos, right, like whatever right. song was in the background or some YouTuber or right. whatever. You know, so, so they don't have enough of the, like you said, they don't have enough of that experience of, of being intimate with the instrument and learning like the ins and outs and like what they want to achieve on it yet. So I've told that to parents many a times, man, where it's just like, I don't think they're ready for lessons yet. Now you don't like that answer because you just spent a couple hundred dollars or whatever on their guitar and amp and all that. And you want them to right now start playing. Well, they want to see the result and it's like, there's no result if there's no legitimate. And my mom's going through the same thing with my nephew. Mm -hmm. He got drum set last year. Yeah. He's maybe played it twice. And people are offering money to get the drum set because it's not a bad kit by any means. I mean, I think it's like one of those little Mapex, like first time. Oh, ever okay, yeah, 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 kind of a so, mid range thing, not really. Yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. It, I mean, I think it was like five hundred, six hundred yeah, yeah, bucks yeah. for you know a, a smaller size drum set for you know a seven year old or eight year old or however old he is. I'm right, terrible. right. 
but you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things where, and he's like, Oh no, no, I'm definitely going to play it. I was like, no, you're not. I was like, dude, you don't even ride your, a bike. You don't even ride a bike because it's too hard. I was like, this is not any easier than riding a bike. Yep. I was like, and you know, I, I think that's one of those things where as much as teenagers and adults and everyone else can do the same thing. I think that being a teenager kind of focuses you in on certain things. Yeah. And that's whenever I think that people really need to find what their hobby is, what their passion is, Mm -hmm. because then whenever you get to college age and beyond, it kind of can help you focus on what you want to do. And I mean, if guitar is not for you, then guitar wasn't for you. Maybe, auto shop or woodworking or you know playing video games or making video games or coding or whatever the hell Mm -hmm. like it's you know whatever you like to do is what you like to do you know there's not a lot of people that will end up playing an instrument proficiently and there's not a lot of people that ever will join the military it's two separate things but it's still you know a small amount of people yeah well and it's it's one of those things you can talk to anybody and there, there's something that they are extremely passionate about. It doesn't matter what it is, but well, there's yeah. something that they're extremely passionate about. And if that's not the music thing for you, I've, I've talked to students about that because they almost feel discouraged. And I don't know where it's coming from. Maybe it's from them. Maybe it's from the parents that are pressuring them to do it. But my biggest thing is, it's just like, man, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be something you enjoy to do. If you don't enjoy doing it, we can still do this as a hobby. If yeah. that's what you want well, to I mean, do, not everyone but, is going to be the next Tony Iommi. Well, but, but, uh, yeah, but there's no reason in you stressing out about this, man. Yeah. Right? Like you, you not being proficient on the instrument. If it's not something you enjoy doing then that it's not something you enjoy doing. Well, I think that there's also so many more eyes out there now. Sure. That, you know, you know, they'll have them on like the morning talk shows or they'll have them on some random video where it's like some eight year old kid that can shred out of their mind. Well, sure. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but you know how often that happens? It literally happened that time and maybe a couple other times, but it's so small in the average people, the average amount of people will never be a virtuoso like that. But that's literally hours and hours and years and days and months and everything else, every other way to count calculate time of dedication to that instrument. It, it doesn't matter if it's an eight-year-old or if it's a 32-year-old. If you see somebody extremely proficient at anything, they have put, like you said, that sweat equity into whatever that thing is and have sat by themselves learning whatever it is to be that proficient. You yeah. don't, you, that yes, there, I, I do believe that there is a certain level of natural talent that people are born with. You know, you have people that have a natural sense of rhythm or they have a natural ear for hearing pitch. You know what I mean? Yes, that is definitely a thing. They still aren't just born being able to be a virtuoso or virtuosic, I guess, player. You know what I mean? Yeah, one of those. <laughs> We're going to go with one of those. Disregard. But no, that's what, but yeah, they're, they're still that, those, like you said, years of, of sitting, playing, learning, you know, getting, you know, that 10,000 hours under your belt with that thing. And like I said, like, you know, just because you can't do this doesn't mean that, Oh, you suck. No, no. it's like that. 
I think that's the other thing that drives me crazy is, oh, you can't do this, so you're terrible. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, I was like, that means so little because just because someone's good at this does not mean that they're good at this other thing. And, you know, it's like, it's like me and playing country. It's probably never going to happen. I've learned a couple things, but am I ever going to go down to Nashville and, you know, bring out my Brad Paisley? No, like it's just not in the cards and it's not anything against Brad Paisley. It's not any against anyone that can do that chicken picking stuff. It's just not your thing. It's just not, it's not my thing. And my hand looks at me like, um, you know, this is the second worst thing you've ever done with me, but other than that, (laughs) (laughs) that's not a bad thing, right? Anyway, got to quickly divert from that one. (laughs) No, no, but that's like, um, that's that's what I hate when you know I hear people say, "Well, you suck if you don't do this." It's the same thing with gear. It's like, "Oh, that thing sucks." Well, for you, yeah, it might, but for me, no. It's very useful and effective. The hybrid picking for me, now that I've actually like hammered it out and really practiced it, I can't stop doing it just because it's just it's so much more economical for my right hand now to be yeah. able to pick like that. Whether it's rhythm stuff or solos, it doesn't matter. But that's, that's the thing. If it, and once again, you're a product of your environment, right? So if you, if you are consuming music that utilizes hybrid picking, you, most likely yeah. you're going to start hybrid picking. Yeah. If you're consuming music that is just shreddy, legato, sweeping taps, you're probably going to be doing that, you know? And that's the hardest thing, I think, like we were talking about earlier with kids, is they see that on the internet now because it's just a flood of information they get whenever they get on any social media. You type in guitar player, and you're going to see some just insanity that just happens. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, it's like you know, like uh, I know when I was when I was in AIT, I was watching a lot of uh, Cole Rollins videos. I'm not familiar with him. Absolutely ridiculously good guitar player. Okay, I mean, like the covers that he does, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, it's probably a good thing towards his, you know person that does mixing and stuff like that but it's absolutely like beautiful amount of playing okay cool and you know what did you say his name was cole roland okay yeah yeah kind of like roland amps except i think there's an extra l (laughs) okay fair enough (laughs) but you know watching his videos in my mind i'm like well you know and i'm 26 at the time Mm mm-hmm and I was like, you know, well, I'm never going to be able to do that stuff. And it's like, you know, now I'm 30 and I still can't. But it's not anything against me to not be able to play the stuff that he wants to play because I'm not interested in learning Dragon Force. Right. Well, we, we've we beat this dead horse a million times, but and I'm just going to say it again. Just as long as you're authentic to what you want to do, that's what yeah. is the most that matters in any creative endeavor, regardless if it's music or anything. Just being authentic to what you want to do. Because it, it, that, that's the thing. I just don't understand this this thought process. And, and I'm probably going to make everybody that's guilty of this mad by calling it how it is right now. But it's the people that aren't doing anything oh, that yeah. say that. The people that are just bedroom players. Sometimes not even that. Sometimes not even that. So 
whenever like if if you're a if you're a younger guy listening to this and you see this kind of like oh that, you're not pulling you missed this note because you didn't do x y and z and this sucks because you the tone's all wrong do not pay any attention to that shit because those people are just out there to troll that's all they're doing this actually segues really nicely He's talking about social media and music right i was watching um a thing on youtube about how like short-term or short form content is destroying like music, so to speak. And I, I'm paraphrasing being very general with this, but what I want to talk about is like being in a band or being an artist right now. I see so many people releasing just singles and just singles and just singles and just singles, no albums and well, stuff like that. You know, well, here's the thing. I have a problem with that, right? The singles I 100% get because you get something out in front of your audience every month, every three months, whatever the cycle is that you push a single out, right? But for me and the music that I consume, I want to hear a cumulative what album of what you did for the past year or year and a half, two years. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want to hear from an artist. Well, and and I think I think this partially plays into just the state of where music is as a whole sure and it is a competition of who can do what faster who can who can throw out as many single items as possible to capture the widest net Mm -hmm. because you see it with rap all the time Mm -hmm. because i do enjoy rap and i do enjoy several rappers you know you're not going to see Nicki Minaj or even Lil Wayne on my list, but I do enjoy Nas. I do enjoy Joyner Lucas. I do enjoy a little bit of Anderson Pack and J. Cole and right, right. Kendrick Lamar. You know, so, and, and, you know, as far as what I see now more than ever is here's a single. And if that single drives the needle a thousand percent forward or it drops the needle off a cliff, you know, there's really only so much money that is going to be involved in it. And it's as, you know, it's the same thing as, you know, not to make it too political, but it's the same thing as the news, because if I can sell you this, but you will only consume it if it is as burning hot as possible, then I'm only going to piecemeal it to you one thing at a time. That's fair. I'm going to put something on and I'm going to talk about it for 24 hours, 72 hours, you know, three weeks. And then I'm going to give you the next bit. Yeah. And then I'm going to give you the next bit. And that is what we've decided as relatively, as far as America goes, I can't speak for other countries because I don't live there and I don't, you know, I don't know everyone across the planet, but as far as like American culture, that is what we're driving for. We're driving for the thing that we want at the time right now. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing we do with Amazon. It's the same thing that we do with any other type of ordering service, delivery service, streaming service. It is the thing that is there right in front of me right now is what I'm going to listen to. And if, you know, some of these fantastic musicians like Andy Wood or, you know, as far as Baseland, because I still follow that pretty well. Uh, was it Charles Berthoud? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Rob Scallon, mm-hmm. you know, all these, all these not top name labeled artists, mm-hmm. I guess you would say, you know, 
and no disrespect to any of them because I think that they should be because well, they are absolutely fantastic at what they do. Yeah. But, you know, moving on past that, at the end of the day, everyone has to do, everyone has to play in the machine that they're in. Everyone has to generate content based on how an algorithm works. And if the algorithm, if you don't upload, if you decide you're going to upload 10 songs in a week for your album, for example, to YouTube, you'll see a splash and then the algorithm will drop you off of face of the planet because you're not releasing on a consistent schedule. And it's, you know, Spotify is just as bad. Spotify is terrible when it comes to the music marketplace because, you know, oh, you had a song that made 200 million people listen to it. Here's a check for 750 bucks. People buy our service for $20. Right. And, you know, and so why would I put out an album when I can piecemeal it and make that 750 each time that I give you a song or 7,000 or 5,000 or however much that they're paying nowadays. Cause I know it's garbage most of the time, unless you hit like a certain threshold. But if I can give you one piece of a pie and keep the rest of the pie for later and give mm-hmm. out, you give you another piece and give you another piece. And that's going to keep you satisfied. I have no reason to do anything different. So my only concern with this, though, is how cyclical history is, right? Because everybody in, starts... In what way? Well, it's just like trends come back. Well, of course. Right. I mean, pe- people are starting to buy vinyl at crazy numbers. That's what I was just about to say. Vinyl cassettes, stuff like that. I've seen you know I mean? eight tracks go for right. a thousand bucks. Now, obviously, I would never record an album to tape and sell it, but that's just me. You no, know, I'm going to do... My next album is going to be only on eight tracks. Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, man, I'm looking forward to it then. It's good <laughs> but no, like... Um, I'm I'm more thinking like from a personal perspective or not personal perspective, like, but an individual perspective, right? Because if you get so used to just putting out tiny bits, which in this world right now, yes, that's what you have to do. You have to be consistent and you have to post every day. Now you don't have to post a song every day, but you have to have some sort of content that's out every day. That's, that's supporting what you're doing. My only thing is I'm thinking, I'm trying to think like long term and I don't think it'll ever come back to the way it used to be as far as how people bought albums. Well, no. Tech technology never regresses. Right, right, right. But I, I'm worried that like whenever you sit and you listen to your favorite artist, you're not gonna have like I, I don't know, man. Like I just I used to love getting vinyls or getting CDs and being able to flip through everything and see like the pictures and see well, see the album artwork, see right, right, right. who did what. Oh, yeah. man, like, I, I'm going to check out this. And that's what I, I used to do that on, like, single acts. Yeah. I would see, oh, this person played bass, this person played guitar, and I would go and look them up mm-hmm. and see what else that they've done or see what else, you know, see what their solo stuff is. Right. And it's like, you know, I found a lot of great artists that way. Yeah. And it's like, but, you know, and... You know, you could say the same thing from the recording side to the distribution side to how music is created. AI drums sure, is, or MIDI drums are far more prevalent now than ever. Yeah. Will it ever replace a drummer? No. But does it replace a drummer a lot more? Yes. Oh, well, and yeah. It's the same thing with any type of musical instrument. Like 90%, if I can write it in MIDI, 
and it takes me three hours to write instead of paying you 500 bucks, I'll take three hours and write it in MIDI before I pay you 500 bucks. No, for sure. For sure. I, I'm like, like I said, I'm just, I'm thinking about it more of like a, I, I feel like if, if this is something you wanted to get into, you're just like, you're almost, and maybe this is just my own bias coming in. It probably is, but you're almost like selling yourself short only thinking about like, okay, I'm going to write this song. I'm going to release it. I'm going to write this song and I'm going to release it. I'm going to write this song. I'm going to release it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just, well, I mean, you can do it any way you really want. You could release an album and then release the songs individually. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, also, sure. but you know, the thing is, is like people want, people want the thing now for the lowest cost. Sure. <clears throat> Team you. <laughs> um, but which we talked about that earlier too, yeah, yeah. but you know, it, if I can get it for five bucks or I can get it for three bucks or I can get it for a subscription service for 1799, then that's probably what I'm going to do. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, even as someone that is a big proponent of selling music as a business model, it's just not really the case anymore. That's why so many people are, are self-produced. Well, and it, it, that's the other reason why you see so many people that have such a, a massive, you know, push for social media and they have a mass, like, you know, they're really pushing like stuff like Patreon and stuff like that, where they can give their fans perks and whatnot for yeah that sort of thing. That That's, that's the, that's, that's the only bad thing. Like I, I think it was, uh, we were talking about this band earlier too. Uh, we were talking about, um, or no, we were talking about Polyphia. I'm talking about the other one periphery. There it is. Another P another P one. There you go. Title episode for the episode right there. Another P one, the P word, the P word. There you go. <laughs> uh, but no, um, they, they broke down like how the band makes money and it's like a six revenue stream thing you know what i mean that's the only like viable way to make money and be successful and have this as a job if that's what you want to do as being a musician well and just thinking about it it went from having a band like manager Mm -hmm. to now you have a social media director right that's who your main probably purchase would be to do something if you not necessarily you have to do this because of course you know to say you have to do something just means that you're going to have you know 75 percent of people try to prove you wrong right but it's one of those things that it definitely comes into be a factor of trying to make it as a this is my job this is all i do mm-hmm. and you know it, as cool as it would be to go back to this time or that time or what, you know, whatever time you want to go to, it's just never going to happen. And so trying to, I can't remember who said it, but it's something along the lines of you can be a molder or you can try to mold the consensus or you can be the one who is in the consensus that decides to make the mold. Right. Which is like the biggest bastardization of a Martin Luther King quote that I could ever come up with. Sure. But it's the simple fact that you, you can't shove once it's out of the box, you can't shove it back in the box. Yeah. It, it, you know, well, and, and to kind of 
think about that from like this perspective, you know, it, you have to be willing to move pivot and change on a dime and as being an artist to make the business work for what, well, really anything. I mean, it doesn't matter. Well, that's or, true. If you're an artist, you could be a construction guy. Yeah. It, it's business it, is business. Business is business. You know, just because, you know, this, you know, I, I love watching breadstick Ricky. <laughs> yeah. Cause those are about the funniest videos on YouTube, uh, that I typically consume. And he's like, you know, he's like, uh, well, this job pays, you know, 22 an hour. He's like, well, yeah, but that other job pays 23 an hour. And it's by that Chinese restaurant I really like. Right. <laughs> he's like, he's like, but them dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just one of those things where, yeah, you know, it, the highest price is going to win. And if yeah. I can make, if I can have Patreon and I can have my music distributed on SoundCloud or Spotify or whatever, you know, and I can make a, a decent enough living doing what I'm doing, then that's probably where I'm going to end up in. But, you know, it, people are like, well, there's not going to be, there were rock stars back in my day. And I was like, well, there's rock stars now. The difference is, is that I was like, I was like, you talk about this artist. Did you buy their last album? Well, no, I have Spotify. Okay. When's the last time you saw them? Well, I have them on my YouTube search. Okay. Do you have any other band merch? Well, I found this thing on Amazon from my threads dot Timu or whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's some third party company that's just taking stuff because they know that the chances of them actually trying to fight it, they'll just dissolve the company. Quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to give quotes to a microphone. It's good. Uh, good podcasting right there, but you know, it, it, they'll just dissolve that and come up as some other company. Like it, they, they don't care. And it's like, you know, if you want to support a band, then go support the band. Yeah, that I was just about to say that, man. Like, even at the lower levels, right? You know, like, I always love seeing stuff on my local, you know, social media feeds about support local music. And then, you know, you go to a local show and where's where's everybody at, man? Yeah. You well, know what it's I mean? like, and I think, I think like, uh, you know, you have a chance at open mic nights to not only refine your craft but you have a definitive chance on finding a fan of your craft sure and you know i've gone and i've seen a band and i was very impressed with what they do and then when i asked like hey you like do you have like a like a page do you have this do you have that well no we don't do that it's like okay well then you're never gonna i'm never going to see you ever again and i can't yeah. I can't listen to your original music with no original music to have. Right. And it's like, you know, and I've had the inverse where, it, you know, they practically want to put a bumper sticker on your forehead and go, you're a fan of me. And it's like, yeah, I was till I met y'all. Yeah. Well, like you said, like supporting, supporting music, that's like, if, if you see a band, the best way to support them isn't to down or to save them on a Spotify playlist. The best way to support them is to go see them. The wow. best way to support them is when you go see them is to buy a t-shirt or buy a CD or, or not a CD, some more merch, you know, yeah. sorry, I'm showing my age there with CDs. I know we don't have CDs anymore, but you know, but no, like you're buying something physically at the venue from the band and you know, 
I've had people that, you know, when I've been in bands that sold merch, you know what I mean? That's the first thing that, uh, you know, the, the assholes in the crowd that are, that are not very prevalent. So, Oh, I'm not paying $25 for a t-shirt. It's like, really? Cause I'm sure you bought that t-shirt at Walmart for at least 20 or, you know, the three beers that you got from the bar for 50 right. bucks. Right. You know, and you know, different, different folks, different strokes, but it, at the end of the day, like, you know, and to, to a number of degree, you know, I can't sit there and say that I'm not just as guilty or a, oh, bit, me too. a, a bit hypocritical in what 100%. I'm saying. And it's like, you know, it, <laughs> you can have all the self-reflection in the world, but I guarantee if I came up to you on a street corner asking for five bucks for my mixtape, you know, you'd, you'd be like, yeah, here's five bucks to get the hell away from me. <laughs> well, I, funny story about that. When I was in New York, man, that's, I had, you know, people buying mixtapes and I, I talked to one of the guys and I just told him, I was like, man, I don't have a Walkman. You know, like you're selling cassettes to me. Like, that's awesome. I'm happy you're trying to get your music out there. And I had a legit conversation with him about that. And I talked to him about like, you know, where can I find you online? Where can I do this? Where can I do that? And, you know, he's like, no, 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 man, this is just, you got to hear the music. I was like, I want to hear the music. I just, where can I find you online? It's not like I'm trying to like say, I don't want to hear your music. It's just, you're giving me. What's an easier way to digest what you, how what makes you an artist? Right. Uh, you're, you're giving me, you're giving me a, a, a tangible piece of material that I can't utilize. Yeah. You can't even go to a radio shack and go get, I that. might maybe be able to find one of those crazy, like, I can't remember what you it was. Probably, like I probably end up having to go to a yard sale or eBay that's what I'm or saying. something like that. You know, and it's like, I'm not going to go through an extra logistical hurdle to hear a tape. Right. Well, it, when, when we live in the day and age in which we do and everything can be online and you should be marketing yourself online. I'm not saying that the grassroots thing where you getting out on the street and trying to talk to people doesn't work. Cause I'm sure it works to a certain extent. The problem is like you, like you just said, you're giving me something that I can't utilize. Yeah. Well, I mean, instant. This is always one of the most frustrating things because, you know, you, you can go around and around with this conversation. I mean, it, it really just is the fact that when we live in today's age, that this is what we're going to have to deal with. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a multi-platinum artist or you're some Joe Schmo. Dude on the street in, a, in, in a recording. Yeah. It, at the end of the day, everyone's going through the same thing. And as far, you know, that's why you have these fan clubs that follow these artists around like Taylor Swift, that's just the easiest reference it, you know, and that's great for her. I feel happy for her because, you know, I know I was checking out the, all the legal battles that she was having whenever she first was trying to break away from that label. Yeah. You know, it was ridiculous. Now you can't own your own music. It's like, and the fact that you can sell someone's likeness and music as your own, because you fronted part of the bill, it's like, well, no, there's no artistic anything anymore. It's like finding out that, you know, Shaq owns Elvis's and 
Michael Jackson's likeness and mm-hmm. royalties. Why does Shaq own that? There's really no reason other than the fact that he found out that you could buy it and he started buying them up. And, you know, it, good on him. You know, it's not like Icy Hot and the General were ever going to pay out forever. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like, it's just a weird factoid. <laughs> oh, dude, that got me good, man. Yeah. Oh. And, and Papa John's. and Was he a Papa John's guy? Well, he is now. Oh, he is now. Well, I mean, the previous guy dropped the N-word and they dropped him. Oh, well, that's fair. <laughs> you know, at least, at least it wasn't like a subway debacle. No, but but <laughs> but when but when you're literally the Papa John of Papa John's, <laughs> hate to see it. Well, you know, eventually it, people show their true colors, I suppose. Anyway, uh, moving away swiftly from that those <laughs> incredible incredible examples of human kindness. Hey, yeah, <laughs> but now, yeah, but let and again to just parrot it again. There's no. There's no right and wrong way. There is a path, you know, the the path that has been most traveled. Yeah. uh, Here's the thing. And this is a piece of advice from the glorious wisdom of Josh Scott. Okay. And now this is pertaining to pedal companies and smaller builders asking them like what he did to be successful. But you can utilize this for anything that you're trying to do. And if you want to make it in the industry or whatever it is you're trying to make it in. Just stick around. Yeah. Just stick around. Now, does that mean you're going to be a superstar? Does that mean you're going to be a world-renowned pedal builder? Does that mean you're going to? Does that mean you're going to be at the pinnacle peak of whatever that industry is? Maybe. Maybe not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Let's be realistic. But the likelihood of you being able to make money and thrive in that environment is still reasonably available. Now, you being at the top is kind of, I mean, who cares really? Because if you get to the top, there's only one place to go from there. You know, I mean, you're just... So the topper. The topper. The more topper. (laughs) The more higher. The much more gooder area. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But no, like that's that's that's, that's one of the things that I've always said whenever I get discouraged. Because, dude, I'm not going to lie. I've got discouraged off social media numbers. I, I... used to pay attention to the numbers way too much, man. I was worried about how many likes, how many downloads I had for podcasts. I was worried about, you know, how come I put all this work into this video and it didn't do anything. You know what I mean? And it's a completely normal thing to do. Two things that helped me were one, not paying attention to that shit anymore and just doing what I like to do and having a good time. Oh yeah. And two, sticking around. Eventually, eventually something will happen. And whether that eventually is next week, I highly doubt it. Or if it's two years from now, something eventually will pop off. And, you know, like the conversation we had a few weeks ago, saying yes to everything, making sure that you're available for whatever comes your way. You yeah. Know, just simple things like that. Well, I mean, in, you know, again, it, there's, only, there's only so much room at a certain level. Yeah, yeah. And there's only so many companies and so many advertisement and you know whatever that's going to be willing to work with you as far as what you're willing what you're willing to say yes to and it goes for the same of bands that need so and so and on this day and this thing and you know it but again any experience that you can get that makes 
the it's going to make the next thing even better. Yeah, for sure. You know, you you have to have it's not just sweat equity in your instruments, sweat equity in learning what you want to do with this instrument. If you want to be a solo act, if you want to play in a band, if you just want to hang out and play in your room, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with any of those avenues, mm-hmm. but you got to learn from the people that know best. And For if sure. you sit there and you're watching a video or listening to, you know, a podcast, for example, and going, oh, well, this is why I'm going to do this. It's like, I mean, cool, but it's not tangible. Yeah. You know, this is a this is a one way conversation right now. It, there's no tangible advice to give someone, especially not being at that area. Well, yeah. And that, I mean, I think that's why the best, that's why I like that. Just be there or what, whatever Josh Scott said of, you know, just stick around. That's the most general advice that most people probably wouldn't like, but it literally fits for any circumstance that you could possibly have. I'm sorry. I wasn't ignoring you for all the podcast listeners. I was looking at my phone for a second. I was seeing what date this was going to come out. It's going to come out on the 1st. So if you're listening to this, it's the 1st of January. If you're listening to this way in the future, whatever date you're listening to this. But I thought it would be cool to kind of wrap this episode up is what are your goals for 2024? Uh, I would, at least for me, I would like to have something tangible that I have written to be able to listen to on some form of not necessarily just streaming platform, but just some type of platform that I can, you know, even if it's just recordings on my phone, just something I can actually listen to and actually go, that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> getting healthier because this stupid for anyone that doesn't know, I have a neurologic neurological disorder and I have been, it's been a year in two months now since it happened so just gaining more function in my leg which right. as you've probably seen i've been able to get a little bit more around a little bit better absolutely so especially it, it, from when i first met you for sure yeah you know not nothing says hi how are you doing like a cane in hand no you're fine <laughs> but and you know and and i think finally focusing on what makes me happy with my instrument. Yeah. I spent way too much time this year and even a little bit of last year trying to make it work with what someone else, someone else's idea and someone else's preference on how this thing should go. And it's like, you know, I'm starting to get to a point where it's not even so much standing up for myself. It's just saying what needs to be said at the beginning Oh, for start sure. of try, instead of trying to fix it for sure. after the fact. For sure. What about you? So I kind of said this when I first heard it, but it was kind of like mid last year and I didn't take this very seriously. But trying to become a more complete musician. And what I mean by that is, is being a better communicator between you know, every instrument I can think of, not just like the core instruments of like a a rock band, like not just drums, bass, and, you know, being able to, to articulate to people, musical ideas, not only with the instrument, but speaking it as well. 
You know, right. if I'm in a if I'm in a situation where I need insert oddball instrument that I'm not used to playing with a tuba. You know what I mean? Being able to articulate to I'll that. I'll bring you the hurdy gurdy. I don't want that. <laughs> I was just using an example. I don't want it. Um, on top of that, like um, one of my favorite um, things from when I was in the military, what was said to me many times is uh, selection is an ongoing event. So um, whenever I think I get to a point that I'm happy with, I immediately learn something like content, I'm just going to have to, I'm just continually pushing myself to make myself a better guitar player specifically. And, um, being more present online, especially But you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's like, that's, that's probably my top three. So more complete musician becoming a better guitar player specifically for the instrument. And then just being more present. Yeah, and I like I said, I think that's always the hardest part. The hardest part is being able to deal with that machine. Yeah. Well, and it's like we kind of talked about like at the beginning, you know, with Stevie and his friend, how, you know, Stevie was in a situation where he could go on the road. He could do, you know, go chase that dragon, you know what I mean? His friend, you know, had other responsibilities. So it's like this constant balancing act, right? I got the nine to five with the wife and kids, but I also got this, you know, like, and this takes up a lot of time. And if I take too much time for the band and music stuff, now I'm neglecting the wife and kids. But if I neglect the band stuff, it just, it's, it's a weird balancing act. Well, it's, and it's just like anyone else, regardless of whether you, you're stocked up, you know, with kids, wife, responsibilities, regardless of what those responsibilities are. You know, it, there's always an ebb and flow sure. that you have to try to learn to maintain. And you also have to also focus on this. You have to focus on yourself. Yeah. You have to focus on what's going to make you better, not just in just your instrument, but mm -hmm. in life. Like, yeah, I always say, like, if you're not trying to learn something. Yeah. You're you're doing you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap it up, man. So uh, we'll touch base in a year and see how well we did with all this crap. <laughs> <laughs> January 2nd. Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm a worse musician now. <laughs> yeah, I just completely stopped playing guitar, actually. <laughs> so I sold everything, yeah. including the wife and kids. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. I'm just on my own now. Only kept uh, a couple microphones and an audio interface. To... Well, I'm, I'm sitting in New York right now selling eight-track tapes. <laughs> hey, yep, that's what I'll be. But hey, for all you guys, I hope you guys uh, come up with some own, your own little, I don't want to call them resolutions because I don't like the word resolutions, but I hope you come up with some goals for 2024, help you stick with them. And like I said, just stick around. That's all that I would say. If any life goal you have, that's the biggest driver for me. But that being said... Thanks once again, Mike. Oh, no problem. And we will check you guys next week on Man the Helm Podcast.